So welcome to Boom It's on the Blockchain, and that's us live here midday again in California, Shep. So uh, thanks for coming on board. How's it going, Shep? How's it going with you, Al? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. So so today's one, we'll obviously be speaking about energy, tokenization, the blockchain, but let's go quickly straight into our article. So what we're going to do just to provide additional um information to our viewers is as we update key stories in um, the blockchain space on our energy tokens platform what we can do is we will pick some of those key stories and we'll talk about them today so this is our uh, energy tokens trading platform it's live just now on the internet for people who aren't aware of it we update it every day with the uh, different news articles so all the different news articles, and I'll release these back through LinkedIn. We've got our podcasts that we've got available there as well. That was our different podcasts that we do. So if people are interested in the other topics we've talked about, it's available there. And then we've also got our library section, which, um, you know, that that's sort of my key baby in terms of developing this. You know, what we want to do is to, to provide this library that provides you know, a whole uh, plethora of information about asset-backed tokens, Bitcoin, blockchain, things like that. If you go into it, there'll be information on that. Some of that's come from our white papers. Some of it's come from the uh, articles written. And then there's podcasts on that as well. So that provides all the information. But if we whiz into what we're talking about today, so today we're talking about Ernest and Young. Ernest & Young, or EY, announces integration with Polygon Protocol and framework on the Ethereum scaling solutions. So for people out there, EY is essentially a major powerhouse in the financial industry. They're one of the big four. You know, they were founded back in the UK, back in the essentially 1850s, originally just accounting and financial, but now into all forms of financial services, strategy, decision-making, multiple other things they're looking to do. And then obviously, because what we're talking about in terms of developments on the blockchain, what you're finding is all the major finance companies are getting involved in this as well. So over to you then, Shep. Give us a little bit more background about this article. <clears throat> well, Ernest & Young actually is a company that uh, has teamed up with Polygon to scale its enterprise and the blockchain products on Ethereum. <clears throat> and also um, is the flagship blockchain services, uh, including uh, Ernest & Young's Ops Chain, and Ernest & Young Blockchain Analyzer will be the integrated with Polygon, allowing transactions to be committed to Ethereum via on the side chain. Yeah, so, so I think for people out there, just to give them a bit of background of what Shep just said just now. So if you think about the Ethereum network, this is whereby they're going to be using this um, essentially for all their transactions. The problem with Ethereum is the cost of transactions and minting stuff on Ethereum. You know, currently right now under Ethereum, it can be like, you know, they're talking about NFTs. When we tokenize different people investment in design coin, etc. you're looking at 80, you know, 50 to $80, depending on when you go in. 
when we started doing this essentially two years ago, you know, you were able to put stuff in the blockchain on Ethereum for, you know, five, seven cents. So really what's happened is there's a massive increase in cost of using this technology. Now, part of ETH 2.0 is this is one of the things they're looking to rectify going forward with Ethereum. Therefore, they'll be able to use it for multiple applications going forward. But if you think of a company like uh, EY and they're wanting to start using essentially technology they've developed, they're needing to find a sort of, you know, a middleman to help them so they can start hashing stuff on chain, not the super high cost. So, um, yeah, back to you then, Shep. Uh, yeah, the firm also revealed is working with Polygon to offer permission to private optimistic roll-up chains. Roll-up chains are a layer of two-scaling um, solution that the, uh, provides increased security and efficiency compared to transacting on the Ethereum mainnet. Paul Brody Global, a uh, blockchain leader at uh, EY, remarked. Yeah, and so, also Ernest and Young is one of the, like you uh, mentioned, Al, one of the big four consulting multinationals. Uh, with consulting, will connect uh, its blockchain solutions to the Polygon, uh, mitigate to the scalability, the constraints of the Ethereum mainnet. And Polygon, the co-founder uh, Sandeep uh, Nayawi, uh, praised EY for its commitment to the Ethereum ecosystem and the open technology standards while ey has continued to to iterate its layer to zero knowledge proof protocol uh nightfall the firm also helped uh, launch the open source baseline protocol in march of 2020 i think as well for people out there trying to understand a little bit more let me just bring that down in terms of the article that we just showed just now there shep you know so it's um I think if we're coming back to speak about EY, you know, so you're looking at a massive consulting company, a massive financial powerhouse. They're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of clients starting to use the blockchain and starting to get into the blockchain itself. So in order for them to, you know, grow with as their clients grow, they have to be on the cutting edge of this. So essentially what the Polygon Network is going to do is it's going to allow people to start to hash stuff on the blockchain at fractional cost of actually doing it directly with Ethereum. So this is key for them. And then what they're able to do is they can actually integrate their own EY software. So what you might find in going forward in the future that is, you know, right now EY will end up running their own blockchains as well. So they'll have their own blockchains where all this stuff's getting hashed going forward. They're already operating like that anyway. What you'll find is that they'll want to do this en masse and be able to control this going forward. So again, what's interesting to what we're talking about in terms of energy tokens. So people think, well, EY, why are they doing stuff in Ethereum? You know, we've been speaking about tokenizing um the essentially oil and gas and renewable energy assets on the blockchain. So what's tokenization got to do with this? Well, essentially it's operating on the blockchain as well. And what we want to show is that this is how the major blue chip companies are coming into this technology. So what you're actually starting to find out there is, you know, every day when we started to get involved in this, essentially two years ago, you know, you were struggling to get a press release out about blockchain that essentially wasn't written by companies like Cointelegraph. 
But if you go to the main newswire sites like PR Newswire, Globe Newswire, where we get a lot of our content from for the sites, you know, essentially this is private companies or individual companies releasing blockchain, releasing Bitcoin, releasing Ethereum related stories, essentially on a daily basis. You know, you'll have 10, 15, sometimes 20 different press articles globally coming out. And that's just in one news network. So what you're going to find in going forward is, you know, they've already got a blockchain wire. So these things are increasing as well. So this is just showing that market adoption of what we're doing. So what we're trying to do in our news section is to feature key articles with major players and showing how they have different use cases of what we are actually doing. You know, and if we look at essentially... Uh, you know, our uh, model and what we're up to as well. So let's go back to energy tokens and what we're talking about. So essentially, you know, there's the energy tokens platform itself. You know, if people come to it, you know, it goes over information of what we're actually doing in terms of how we're developing this and what our, you know, our, our key development points are and what we're doing, you know, why energy tokens, that's featured in terms of the mission part of the, the project itself. So, let me bring Shep in there as well. People can see it a little bit bigger now as well. So really what we're doing is we're taking the financial asset, right, of uh, energy project. Now, what's the problems with energy projects right now is that money's locked into the life cycle of the project. So when people are coming to invest in an oil and gas or renewable energy project, you know, it's broken down by percentages. And as it starts to produce energy, based on what your percentage is of the project, you're going to get distributions based on that. So if you look at an oil project in America that maybe produces oil for 20 to 25 years, and you are a non-operated interest holder, and you've invested into this project, and essentially you own 2% of this project. So every quarter, every six months, as it's producing oil, you get distributions back based on whether it's a overriding royalty or a working interest. But we'll just say on working interest basis is the project costs this much to produce the oil, the profits are this, you get a percentage of the profits. Now, if this is producing a lot of oil, then you're gonna get this return back. You know, essentially it's on a sliding scale normally over a 20 year period. But really, if you think about what you own, you own an asset an asset that gives you distributions based on the oil production. With wind energy and solar farms, it's the same. It's based on how much electricity you send. The problem is from a non-operated non interest holder, and that means you've got an ownership in the project, but a small ownership in the project. What this is allowing you to do is you can't sell that interest. That's the problem. So the way the industry's evolved over the last 100 years in oil and gas is, you know, it's developed so much from the traditional just drilling a hole in the ground, you know, getting a sort of a gusher, capturing this oil, selling this oil to all types of directional drilling, all types of chemicals they put in the wells that can make the life cycle project go longer. You know, the technology's gone so far, but the way the ownership structure hasn't changed for that period of time. So if you think about what we're doing is we're taking the capital structure and then what we're doing is rather than having it in percentages, we're putting this into a token. Now, this isn't a cryptocurrency. It's called a security token, an asset backed token. So rather than owning, say, 2% of the project, you might own 2000 energy tokens alpha. So you own 2000 energy tokens alpha. So as, as the project's producing oil, just in the same way it currently does this, 
what actually happens now is you still get the distributions. The difference is because of our platform, you can get the distributions in Bitcoin, Ethereum, US dollars or euros. So you've got these options to get the distributions. But the big difference is that now your ownership is in tokens. So you'll be able to sell this ownership on an ATS, alternative trading system. So it means that you've now got liquidity. So this is where our project's going to be exciting going forward is because suddenly two things or th maybe three major things are actually happening here. You know, the first one is we're creating liquidity in a market space where there is no liquidity in terms of non-op interest holders selling their shares. You know, because right now, yes, you can sell it, but normally you're selling to someone else on the project a heavily discounted price because who wants to buy an interest in a project that's been producing for five years and what's the value of it? You know, if you're coming to sell that interest, you're, you're going to get way less than market value. You know, the second thing is normally what small oil and gas investors are looking for in America to invest in project are usually minimum of $25,000. You know, they're looking for $50,000, $100,000 to come into the project itself. Normally what they want is investors who have come in there who are investing in multiple projects because they understand the risk coming in. And then obviously that's a barrier to entry. So the barrier entry is like, one, how do you know about this oil project or energy project? Two, do you have the 50,000, 100,000 available to invest in this project? And then three, you know, are you able to take the loss of this project if it goes south? You know, and that, and that basically a huge barrier to entry to most people in America. You know, under the system that we've developed, it's going to create democratization of ownership. So suddenly we are looking to, for people to come in, to come in for essentially, um, there's my Apple watch going off. Sorry about that. So what we're looking is people to come in for say a thousand dollars so they can invest in this project at a thousand dollars, but you own it in tokens, but also the advantages once the holding period's done, you can actually sell this uh, tokens as well. So suddenly there's the liquidity there as well. So now you've got the democratization of ownership. People can come in who've not invested in the energy sector before. You can come in at a lot of a smaller investment and you've got the liquidity whereby your money's locked into this asset for 25 years. Now under our system, you'll be able to sell this if there's any requirement to do this. And then obviously it opens up the marketplace to a global workspace as well. And that's what's so exciting about tokenization and what's actually happening because you're thinking these are asset-backed tokens. So when you start to see these other major players coming into the market space, to look at the blockchain, look at use cases of the blockchain. You know, that's all it is, is a use case. We're doing one small use case. We're not dealing with smart contracts in terms of what Data Gumbo are doing with the oil and gas market space right now, trying to run projects using smart contracts. That technology in itself is in its infancy, and these guys are making massive strides into it. What we're doing is a sort of, you know, tokenization of asset structures and providing liquidity in the back end. And because it's just starting to happen, what you're going to find over the next 10 years is just going to be mass adoption of this technology. And this technology is going to start to solve so many problems. And what we're looking to do with energy tokens is to develop it whereby we're using blockchain-enabled technology to acquire, hold, and transfer direct interest in energy projects, You know, including oil and gas. That's where we come from. But where we see the big growth in what we're doing 
is into renewable energy, into solar farms and wind farms. So essentially, that's what's exciting about that. And then the first token that's going to be listed on the, the platform that will be operational will be the design energy token. And this will provide the first liquidity to all the investors coming in, but it also does proof of the concept and what we've got as a tokenized fund. So people understand about funds right now. I invest into a fund. The fund increases. I get distributions based on the fund. What this is is a tokenized fund where people are going to be able to acquire interest into this fund as well. And then what we've been developing over the last four or five years, because people keep saying to me, you know, is the business model changed? Well, obviously, it's evolved. You know, we can't stand still in a market space, especially off the back of COVID. And for people to understand what happened to the oil and gas market space in COVID, it, in the US, it got absolutely and utterly, you know, I was going to say demoralized, but it was absolutely for small oil and gas companies out there. You know, there was over 250 small oil and gas companies went bankrupt in America. And that was because they shut in the production. They just could not continue. There was over a million people in oil and gas in America lost their jobs because of what happened with COVID. So, so many companies have gone down and we had interest in projects from our tokenized fund for these projects that have gone down or they've not gone into production or they've been delayed, which is a lot of them happened that as well. So we've got a project in Louisiana, which has essentially got infrastructure on the site and now it's been delayed. And when I last spoke to them, they're looking like, you know, it'll be another 12 to 18 months before we put this online because we're aligned to do other things. We've still got the interest in the project. We're a non-operated interest holder in this project in Louisiana, and that's part of the fund. You know, we own interest in 60 oil wells that's providing as checks as distribution. That's in the fund. We've acquired this solar lease in Colorado. That's in the fund. We've acquired this wind energy lease up in Wyoming. That's in the fund. But we're looking to diversification of what's actually happening in terms of technology. And this is where we're looking to get involved in more Bitcoin mining. And people think, well, why are you Bitcoin mining and doing green Bitcoin mining? But, you know, if you think about it, some of these areas we've got are 300 acres worth of land. Now, on this land, we have any minimal usage of it because we've just got oil wells sitting on it producing oil. So what we're going to do is use the land. They're already connected to the grid. They've already got access to the Internet. And what we're doing is we're connecting solar infrastructure and wind infrastructure. And alongside the production of energy, we're going to basically start to do Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency mining there as well. And then if you think that's all going to be part of this fund. So we're key in terms of developing this. And because what's happened in China and because of the growth in green, uh, Bitcoin mining in America, it makes sense for us to go into this market space because we've got access to the land. They're already connected to the grid. And essentially what we're able to do is provide cheap electricity and cheap access to land. And this is a second revenue stream coming in. Now, I think what's going to happen in domestic oil and gas market space in the next 10 years and domestic energy space in the next 10 years is you're going to see a huge, it's just not me. We're the sort of blueprint model here, Shep. We're the test, test case of what comes out with Zion. But we want to roll these tokens out to all these other energy companies. We can make a token for you. And you're a bigger oil company than us because we're a small startup in the, the tech, oil and gas energy space. And you can take what we've done and we can apply it to yourself. So if you're a, an oil and gas company, you're a small energy company, you're a wind energy company, 
You, we can make an energy token for you that you can use for capital raising. You can provide this liquidity for your investors like you've never done this before. You can actually do this and we can make the tokens for you as well. And that's what we're doing with energy tokens. And that's what's so exciting with our project. And, you know, every time you come on Boom, it's on the blockchain. Obviously, I've got an interest in this because I'm the CEO of the company and Shep's been involved in developing the business with us. Shep does a lot in terms of the, the PR stuff, research things as well, but it's involved in business development as well. So he helps source land. You know, Shep's got a lot of connections within the, the farming community as well, which is great for us because we're working with farmers going forward. And, you know, I've been speaking to farmers about what we're doing. And you would have thought three years ago when I spoke to these farmers, yeah, I'm planning doing some green Bitcoin mining or Bitcoin mining on site. Um, yeah, I don't know if about that. I want to do it now because they understand it's, a, it's another revenue stream. And, you know, I think America right now, you know, we're talking about tax the rich, you know, AOC, let's hammer people, let's hammer people. But what you've got is this opportunity with this technology out there whereby you can get involved in it right now. The there's going to be so many use cases, it's unbelievable for this. We just spoke about EY and what they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to be a major player. They're going to hoover up a lot of companies out there. Anything to do with financial transactions, EY is going to have it. And I guarantee within 10 years from now, there'll be an EY blockchain and all their customers will be coming directly through that. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up buying the, the Polygon. You know, their, their valuation has gone from $1 billion to $8 billion essentially because their involvement with EY. And, you know, EY themselves turn over $40 billion a year, let alone what the valuation of a company like that actually is, you know. So that's key in what we're doing there as well. You know, we've not received many questions today, Shep. So I think we'll just move on and we'll move into my favorite part of the show there, Shep. Let's just bring up the um, the bit that uh, Dave Rogers obviously tries to stay off from, chewing the cud. <laughs> so today, what we're going to speak about now, I wonder if I can bring this up right now. Let's have a look in terms of what's going on. Nicki Minaj, right? Okay, so let's have a look what's happened, Nicki Minaj. Unless you're living under a rock and you've got no access to the internet, especially in America, Nicki Minaj has claimed on Twitter that her cousin's friend uh, took the COVID jab, his testicles grew to a huge size, and uh, he can no longer have children. So that's basically what she claims is a side effect of COVID. And then off the back of that, it's gone absolutely crazy. You've got all these sort of you know, Fox News and all those guys pushing this side of it. And then you've got all your sort of CNN, you know, starting to get the credibility in what she's actually saying and whether it's true or not. Now, I understand there's vaccine hesitancy out there, Shep. You know, a lot of people are vaccinated. A lot of people aren't. You know what I mean? So in going forward, people are having to make this decision themselves. Yes. I understand it's a personal decision, but let's have a look. So let's have a look what happened anyway. So Nicki Minaj she came out and said that this was happening. So the health minister in the Republic of uh, Trinidad and Tobago has uh, basically been on the sort of Sherlock Holmes search around what's going on, and he has he's not found a single reported case of testicular testicular yeah testicular swelling in uh, Trinidad and Tobago like now. So currently he's not found that and for it's a side effect of COVID. In actual fact, 
a side effect of getting COVID is a lot of people, there was a German study about it as well, that your testicles do swell from that as well. So it's actually the opposite of what she said is the only reported study of this. Anyway, this led to this thing that's bashing all over here as well. Fox News, who was never a big friend of Nicki Minaj and that, Candace Owens and that, had the big argument with her online. They've come out in her defense, you know. And then the White House basically said, Biden came in and said, Nicki Minaj, you can head to the White House. So now, so Nicki Minaj followed up. Let's see if we've got a picture of her. Here she is now, you know. <laughs> She's like super famous, by the way. She's famous for basically being a sort of rapper, stuff like that as well. Younger generation look up to her there as well. She's done a lot for women's rights, things like that as well. Her song about WAP, I don't know if you know what that stands for, uh, Shep, but it's, um, you know, that's out there at the moment as well. Maybe young girls shouldn't listen to that lyrics until they're maybe 10 or 11. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. She's just kicked up this storm. So you're now got Nicki Minaj. So here's her in her pink dress. So she basically said that I'm going to put on the pink dress. I'm going to come to the White House and get some answers. But then Biden comes back and says, no, it's just you can just phone to speak to our doctors and they can explain to you some of the side effects of COVID if there's side effects and put people to, uh, you know, mind at rest on this. And then she said she was blocked from Twitter. So but then Twitter came out and said she's not blocked as well. But you've got to hand it to her from a PR perspective, not to release any music, just had a baby, wasn't really as relevant as she was for the last few months. Now she's in the front page of every single thing going forward, which is actually amazing. And then if we come back to the article, what they're actually looking for, I think this is the guy from Trinidad and Tobago, the health minister. Now he's now speaking about it, coming out there as well. It's on Instagram. And now the search is for her cousin's friend, you know, who who out there, oh, there's, there's, out there is actually got these large testicles that people want to be, find out more about. So I did a bit of a deep dive research myself there, Shep, and I was wondering who out in Trinidad and Tobago has got some large testicles and what they're doing about it. And look who I found. Yes. <laughs> David Hasselhoff. It was David Hasselhoff all along, everybody. Look, he's got the old German Speedos. Big thing, <laughs> a god among men. <laughs> he's, he's not reporting it because he's down the beach showing off his large testicles to everyone. <laughs> no, so it's uh, so anyway, Fox News, they're out pushing it as well. Tucker Carlson, who's actually been um, vaccinated, 90% of the people in Fox News have been vaccinated, everybody. So if you watch that channel, bear in mind nearly everyone out there who's actually speaking there, with the exception of Candace Owens, is the only one I sort of believe, it is actually vaccinated, you know? <laughs> so if you're coming to make a decision about vaccination, you've got vaccination hesitancy. You know, the best thing to do is, you know, don't look at David Hasselhoff. Don't <laughs> ask Nicki Minaj. You know, pick up the phone. Go speak to your doctor. You trust your doctor anyway for so many other bits of medical advice. You know, I'd give him a call on that as well, you know. So, uh, you know, and then play the percentages, people. You know, I've been vaccinated. 
because I want to play the percentages. You know, how many people have died or got a complication from a COVID vaccine? It's very, very tiny fractional percentages. And how many other people have this built up immunity? Yes, it's not a cure. Vaccines are never a cure. What it does is it helps your body create immunity to it when it's out there. But, you know, that's only my perspective. Go get medical advice. Don't listen to David. He's down the beach this afternoon showing off his large testicles. There's Nicki Minaj. There's the health minister. He's saying hi there as well. There's Nicki Minaj as well, you know, so we'll trust that as well. So so that's us chewing the cud. Thanks again then, Shep. You got anything else you want to tell the viewers? No, that pretty much covers it all, Al. Yeah, you've got that. Have you got a pair of the old black Speedos yourself, Shep, you know? <laughs> haven't wore them for a few years. The Germans used to wear them in holiday and that, you know, when we were on. I'll just finish with this story anyway, because, you know, we've only got one person watching by this point. I see the numbers still. <laughs> you know, we'll finish the story. So I used to go from Scotland. We'd all go to Spain and holiday and go to places like Toro Molinos and Tenerife. And then the Germans would get up in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning, and lay their towels in all the best sort of, you know, um, is it lilo type things next to the pool to reserve their spots, you know. So they would do that. And then you would see them all there with their sort of um, uh, black Speedos. That's how we all knew they were Germans, you know, super skin tight numbers and that as well. But then we'd be coming back from the bars at like five, six in the morning, and then we'd hide shit, right? <laughs> As they came out, there was me, Gordy, Mingus, Rory, all my old mates from uh, the Twins, uh, Kevin, that. We would hide in the bushes and that, and the Germans would put all their towels out. Right? And then we would wait till they go back to their room, because they would come out at half five, put that out, reserve their spot with their stuff, then go back for breakfast. But then we would sneak out, grab their towels, chuck them in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and then take other people <laughs> around so they didn't think it was us. They sort of knew it was the Scottish guys in room 1312, but, you know, they could never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my story about Speedos, everybody. So, you know what I mean? Stick in with it as well. But, yeah, that's perfect, Shep. That's us taking 30 minutes. Thanks again to everyone. You've been watching Boom, It's on the Blockchain. My name's Alistair Caithness. Have a nice day. Thanks, Al.